Hello and welcome to Drive-In Double Feature. I'm Nathan. I'm Ryan. And today on this Tuesday edition of Drive-In Double Feature, we're talking about 1988's Akira. Big anime movie from Japan. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic. I think it was big at the time, but I think now a lot of people have forgotten about it. I think it's a movie that doesn't come up a lot anymore. And... Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about Akira today. Uh, yeah. Well, I, see, I don't know if I agree, though. I mean, I this, to me, I I do like anime. Mm-hmm. So this is, every time somebody mentions what is the greatest anime movie of all time, mm-hmm. undoubtedly, this one is almost always number one. That's true. That's true. I just feel like I've ran into a lot of anime fans who have said that they have not seen Akira. And you see, that's, I think that's a lot of, I hate to say, but the newer generation of anime fans. Mm-hmm. And because uh, back in my day of anime, <laughs> you can only rent the anime that showed up at your blockbuster video. And Akira was there and Ghost in the Shell. And Oh, yeah. I'm sure Dragon Akira Ball. was right there. <laughs> yep. And whatever you could rent on uh, Toonami or whatever you can watch on Toonami. That was about the only anime you, we had access to back then. Yeah. Um, in fact... This is sidetracking a little bit, but no um, me and my brother used to love Dragon Ball Z so much. And you see, Dragon Ball Z was already been aired for years before it even actually came on TV in America. And at one point, the series just kind of looped. It didn't even get to like halfway into the series. It just it hit a certain point and it just kept repeating the same episodes over and over again for years. Yeah. So the only way you could watch these episodes and we did this was uh, we would actually go on eBay or uh, I think like my mom actually, there was like a stand in the mall that actually sold like pirated VHS. Oh, that's awesome. And it had man-made subtitles put in there, like digitally put in there, like edited into the, into the show. Holy crap. So it was all in Japanese and, um, but it was all translated, so you could still see, like, text and everything. Um, but it was – so by the time it actually did come on in America, I had already seen most of Dragon Ball Z at that point, which That's is pretty really cool. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, that, that uh, was back in the day when being an anime fan was, like, tough, right? Like, you were living on hard times. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, just think about it now, just the accessibility of it. I mean, you know, movies now, you know, you could, even back then, you could rent them from Blockbuster, buy them, or, you know, find them in like a catalog or order them somewhere. But with anime, it was so hard just because none of that stuff is imported or translated. There was no streaming services, and DVDs were kind of in its, were just coming along. And, but in the VHS era, it was like you had to watch a dub and even if it was a crappy dub you had to watch it yeah yeah it was like this is all we have and i feel like that that's akira in a nutshell because that first dub that they came out with for its 1989 american release it's rough i've never fully seen it i've seen clips it's uh it's a tough so i watched like a 10 minute compilation of it Mm -hmm. right before we recorded and oh man it's tough so the main character is voiced by Cam Clark, yeah. who also voices uh, Leonardo, the Ninja Turtle from like the original 80s cartoon. So, but except you could tell like they're like, oh, uh, 
you're playing a, a a biker gang leader, so he does like a New York like or like a tough guy accent, like "Hey yo, man, the battery's out," like, <laughs> yeah. which is funny because he's just Connie does supposed to be like this teenager, and he sounds like a forty year old guy from New York. So. Yeah, and they they uh, I'm pretty sure they say the name in that version, Canada is how they say it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's it's a and. They uh, everybody calls Canada Canada just because it's it, it looks like it's spelled like Canada but it's with a K so mm-hmm. it's really fun but that's that's funny yeah but uh, we did watch the dub version for this because I actually think they Funimation went back and like redubbed this and I think that dub that's what I first watched it when I was thirteen and you know that's just the one that I've always well, stuck with well yeah I was going to ask you what was your experience with this movie. Yeah, I I was 13. I had heard about Akira, um, and I was just starting to really love movies. And, you know, Akira was, I've always seen that poster with the motorcycle and the pill jacket. And I was like, okay, this is an essential movie. I watched it online. I do own it now. And yeah, I mean, it, it just was an insane trip. I It changed my idea of sci-fi movies because just how like, wild it is i remember finishing it and not understanding what i had seen i had to be like let me look this up and then i just kept watching it i don't know it's a movie that i kept watching and i was like i gotta really get into this i gotta know all the connections and stuff and and of course it was just because i was younger now i watch it i fully get it it's a wild ride from start to finish but yeah it's continued to be one of my favorite movies since then i always love hearing stories like that my Mm -hmm. first exposure to it so my brother also likes anime and i believe he got it on dvd for christmas one year Mm -hmm. and i remember we actually watched it on christmas day like he got it and then we just pop it in the dvd first (laughs) we watched we watched akira on christmas day that's awesome And, and uh but I remember seeing it and, you know, I was probably, I don't know, 13 maybe at the time and not fully understanding exactly everything that was going on. Yeah. But I remember liking it and I remember going like, oh yeah, that was was good, you know? And, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think this is my second time ever watching it. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been a long time since I watched it and rewatching it now. I really like I was like, oh wow, this this is like really good. Like this yeah. this may be one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, like, it's it's so good. It absolutely insane the scope of this movie, and I think like it being told through animation is absolutely perfect because I don't know at the time what this movie was trying to capture could even be done outside of animation. Which I read that, I, so there, this movie's had this has a long history of it being trying to be adapted into live action or as an or even an American version, but it's always failed each time because once they actually get to like planning out budgets, it's going to end up costing about like an insane amount of money, like three hundred million or more dollars, and it's just yeah. it's not even worth the risk because I mean they kind of took the gamble for a live action ghost in the shell and that really wasn't a rousing success like they wanted 
No. Yeah, it just doesn't work right with these big cyberpunk stories. I mean, it's crazy. Spike Lee was tied to direct Akira at one oh. point. Yeah, I don't even I can't well, even imagine what that would be like. Which I don't even think Spike Lee's a bad director. No, he's good. Just, he's good, but I'm just I I just cringe thinking of his old boy remake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I just I, I don't know if that would have been the right pick. So, it's just t- like gone from hand to hand to hand so much and i mean probably for the better that it hasn't been made i just i don't see especially if it was an american version uh because i know for a long time they're talking about you know not making it japanese you know uh which i think this movie is definitely japanese centric it's definitely a lot of symbolism and stuff just comes from it being a japanese movie um it would it would be really hard to have it not be set in Japan because the whole story is not only set in Japan, but all the symbolism is directly tied to Japan's history. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Literally the opening shot of the movie, which is so iconic is of Tokyo blowing up of Tokyo, literally exploding like an atomic bomb. When you first watch it, I think it's easy to think that is an atomic bomb, but as you watch the movie, come to find out it's really not. Um, but yeah, Tokyo has been destroyed and we have Neo Tokyo. It's the new version of Tokyo. It's very cyberpunk, but also like very gross, grimy. It's the kind of cyberpunk Ghost in the Shell did, right? Where it's like people stacked onto each other, just very filthy. There's gangs and violence and there's a drug problem. And it's just all told right there in the first, like, I'd say 10 minutes of just world building. Uh, yeah. I mean, just there's so many scenes and backgrounds where it, it looks like it could be a painting or it looks like it just, I just, I, I shudder to think how many hours were just sunk into just making these backgrounds, not even the animations because the animations itself, that's a whole other deal, but just the backgrounds alone is, I was like, this probably took forever. And then, like I said, when you see the animations, they're so fluid. It's about, I think 24 frames per second, but Yes, yeah. I think they said something like, I, I forget how many thousands of like animation cells they actually had to draw to make this movie complete. Yeah, I, I can only imagine because it is it's fluid, man. It is so fluid. It looks nice. There's not it's not really choppy at all. And I mean, I just like backgrounds are crazy. Um, one of the things this movie did, I did see it pop up recently because uh, I guess I connected in my head too that it's set in 2019. The 2020 Mm -hmm. Tokyo Olympics are coming up, but oh no, it got canceled in the end of the world here. Wow. (laughs) That was Yeah, sounds very, very familiar, doesn't it? But did 2020 also have talking uh, old children and giant gelatinous monsters? (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, no, it was there. It was there. It was there. Oh, okay. I must have just been asleep that day. Um, <laughs> but no, to get back to it, I think this movie is very beautiful, very striking. I think about that very first sequence of the motorbike chase um, when they're on their that iconic red motorcycle fighting the other gangs. Because what, what's interesting is movie is really big. It has this whole nuclear war, government espionage storyline. But at its core, it's about people that get thrown into the situation that know nothing about it they are just lost completely. Well, yeah. So, I mean, there's that, there's a whole big scope of 
it's really hard to get into the plot of this movie, honestly. <laughs> it would take it, hours. Because I, this is like, we, we talked about Ghost in the Shell on one of our other podcasts a while ago. And that one, it's just like, if it sounds like we're not really digging into it, it's because we would be here for hours if we yes. were just talking about it. But True. basically, there's a lot of stuff with psychics and superhuman beings uh, being there. But it's just kind of funny because... This, like all these government officials and scientists are trying to figure this out and kind of at the center of it is uh, this motorcycle gang and one guy becomes like a superhuman psychic and the other guy is just a regular guy just trying to figure out what's going on and trying yeah. to save his friend. It, it becomes so big because Tetsuo is the guy who gets the powers and he's like got these feelings of inadequacy and that just drives his rage and he has superpowers. So he literally just goes through and he's destroying Tokyo because he's just angry and feels in, feels inadequate. He's doing these horrible things. And let me tell you, this movie gets gross. It does. Like there's the one scene that's like one scene that stands out for me is whenever Tetsuo is in such pain and he thinks his like guts fall out. Like it's like an imaginary mm-hmm. scene and like, the animation on his guts falling out is just like painful in a way. And he's like trying to pick them up and pull them back in. Um, So I have a memory tied to this. The first time I watched it towards the end, Tetsuo becomes a giant gelatinous blob because he tries to meld. He molds himself with like machinery and he becomes like just this giant mass. And there's a scene where his girlfriend gets caught inside of him and she gets crushed to the point where she pops and just literally like explodes inside of him. The first time I watched that when I was a teenager, I got up and was like freaked out. Like it literally like freaked me out, man. Like it, it, it hurt to watch that scene. I don't know what it was and it's animated, but it was just a lot to watch. I, there are some really shocking scenes in here. I mean, there's one scene where the female lead Kai, she, or her, she shoots a guy like in the face and just half of his face just gets blown off by a gun. Yeah. Um, And like, he like sinks into the water very like slowly. It's like a very long scene, but the thing is, is she, she gets affected by it. She actually like gets like, she shoots somebody and she's freaking out about it. But our lead Kaneda is actually like a comic relief in a way because like I love that scene because she's freaking out about it and he's like oh this is your first time killing somebody right we should just go down to the police station you know turn yourself in and we'll get a coffee afterwards okay it's just right. silly <laughs> well it's funny yeah because the whole reason why Kaneda is even even in this spot is because he thought the girl looked cute and just wanted to go on a date with her and so he's just following her around and he just kind of ends up in all this really stuff that was like goes way beyond his head and he's just he he he's just kind of reacting to kind of what's all going on and but mm-hmm. at the heart of it he's trying to save his friend yeah that's all it is he's trying to save his friend i think that's what's nice about it is not it has this weird big story but at, it, at its core it has a lot of heart and has like a character you can root for a character you can care for and a relationship you, you feel bad for tetsuo in the end well yeah i was gonna say about tetsuo i mean my memory tied to this movie was i remember feeling so bad for him and i actually thought like when, when i was first watching the movie i thought the the little kids the little psychic kids i thought they were like the real bad guys when i was watching this originally <laughs> because i was like i was like because there's a scene where tetsuo's in the hospital 
Mm-hmm. And he's just lying there and he's just like, he's in such pain. And then the kids come in there, which you kind of realize, you know, when you, when I rewatched the second time, they're trying to kill Tetsuo early because they know what a catastrophe he's going to cause to the earth. Mm-hmm. But when I first watched it originally, I'm like, oh, just, these little kids are bullying this guy. They're trying to kill him. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't like, I didn't like the kids at first when I, when I watched this all those years ago. I felt so bad for Tetsuo. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of creepy though. Cause they're like little children with like old people faces. They're all wrinkled. And I mean, they come in that scene as like teddy bears, as like toys. <laughs> like they're trying to be nice to him. So I mm-hmm. get it. Um, yeah. That, that was my earliest memory though. And I just, but as you watch it now, you're like, okay, it's there's a lot. It's not so black and white. Yeah, yeah. I think that's this whole movie. I, I feel like it's just, it's not very black and white. I mean, it's definitely anti-government. I can tell you that. It's like the fall of man because uh, there's a weird subplot in all of this where like, you know, there's government espionage. There's like this old man who wants this to happen and it goes a little too far. That subplot... I love this movie to death, uh, but that subplot I feel like could have used a little bit more time. So I guess this is a good time to add that this movie is based off of a manga. It is, yes. and and the manga is six volumes. So imagine you're the creator of this manga, and they say, "Okay, uh, try to shorten this uh, eight hundred page uh, collection of pages into a two hour movie." Yeah, I do think that's cool that they got the person who wrote wrote the manga to make this. And but yeah, I mean there had to be a compromise made there, you know. I, I've heard this. I I've never read it, but I've heard it is a better than this. That's almost everybody. It's almost uh, it's almost widely said that the manga is better than the movie, which is crazy because, like I said, because Akira is one of the, considered one of the greatest. <laughs> Not only anime movies, but it's also up there on it's also on sci-fi lists all the time. Yeah, it's like one of the best genre movies, like in general. I think I read somewhere that it's the first volume and the sixth volume, and everything in the middle is cut out pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So I did my. I actually read a whole synopsis of the manga because I was like, "There's no way I'm going to read the whole manga between now and then." I'd like to, and maybe one day I will, but. Yeah. But that's basically what it is. So it's the movie kind of starts with like the biker gang and setting up the world. And then the movie kind of ends with the final encounter between Tetsuo and Kanida and the, and the children and all that stuff happens. And it's funny because in the, in the movie um, there, it's all building up to where is Akira? Where is Akira? And Mm -hmm. they come to find out Akira is just, has been dead for years. He's just been in jars and he's been frozen away and for scientists to find one day. Um, but in the manga, well, do you want me to spoil it? Do you want to- No. Yeah. Spoil it. You're good. Yeah. Um, but in the manga, Akira is actually was in the, he was actually full bodied in the cryo freezer. And Oh, really? They, Akira becomes a character in the in the manga, like because in the movie Akira becomes whole and is only seen for a minute, if that. Yeah, yeah, he's hardly in it when he eventually shows up. So, 
because Akira is the one that ended up causing that big explosion at the beginning of the movie. Yes, yeah. So it wasn't an atom bomb. It was Akira because Akira is like the most powerful being pretty much just can do like inc- insane stuff. And I, I want to say that's partly because actually when this movie came out, Akira was not finished yet. They had not finished it. It wasn't until mm-hmm. 1990 when they finished it. So I think maybe, if anything, it was like a good like testing ground to see like, okay, will this ending work? Well, maybe we can flesh it out better in the books, you know? Yeah. And even though it's a compromise, I still think it's a very tight, well-working story. Right. And I did read about that that one rich guy or that capitalist venture guy that it is very abrupt and you don't really get like the full scope of that, but that he plays a significant part in the manga and Mm -hmm. his, his motives more explain why he did certain things. But yeah, it, it, I I'd say if you really do like the movie, check out the manga, but as far as the movie goes, it's hard to get much better than this in terms of an anime movie. Yeah, no, this is amazing. It's like smooth. It's, it feels like, just it, it definitely costs a lot of money it just has a huge scope really cool sci-fi stuff it it's one of the best it's just it is one of my favorites i can't highly praise it it's my favorite film soundtrack of all time it, it really is that is it is incredible i was gonna say we we have to talk about the soundtrack just for a little bit yeah. uh, so this is the soundtrack is amazing I mean, right away it just starts with these big ominous drums just <laughs> And yeah. it's so techno sound, a lot of techno sounds like chimes going off. It's, it's really cool. music. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, made by like a Japanese orchestra group, Gino Yamashio Gumi. It's just a Japanese orchestra, but not just composed of Japanese people. It's all world music. So what they were trying to do was take world music from all other countries and make an orchestra just out of all of that. Um, a lot of Indonesian influence here more than Japanese, but you can definitely hear the Japanese like musical influence. It's just all over the place. It's so many drums, so many techno things. I, I could go on for ages because I think it's just a neat soundtrack because it has that techno, right? It has like the synth, but it also has the world. And I think it really goes into like how technology, because this movie is very anti-technology. And I think it goes into like how technology is kind of digging into that world culture. And it's just, it's beautiful. One of the, my favorite moments is towards the end, whenever uh, Kaneda gets sucked into like the, um, the, the explosion and he sees the memories of both Tetsuo and the children, uh, the psychic children. And that song that plays with the, with the beautiful flute blows my mind every time. (laughs) One of my favorite scenes. One of my favorite songs was actually also during the hospital scene. And it's like these little children chanting like, bun, Oh yeah. 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 So that, that I, that one, I always remember. I, 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 even I remember as soon as it started playing, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this song. 
Yeah, it sticks in your head. I own the vinyl. Like, it's one of my prized possessions is the vinyl soundtrack for this. It's neat. It, it's really, I think it just adds to the charm of the movie. Because this movie could just have a simple orchestra or just electronic soundtrack. But they really went the full mile to do something weird. To do something interesting with it. Yeah, and it's... I don't know if we'll ever see one like it again, but uh, let me ask you though, is this, cause I know you're not, you haven't seen a bunch of anime movies, but is this your favorite anime movie of all time or yes. is ghost in the shell? Yeah. It? I like it better than ghost in the shell, but I both, I, I, I hold both in very high regard. I do love it. They're both in my, like maybe top 25. Right. Um, but Akira's maybe in my top 10. Yeah. That's what I would say. In terms of anime movies. Oh, no, in terms of movies in general. Oh, in terms oh. of movies of all time. Uh, it's, gotcha. So, yes, I do high, I hold this in very high regard. I remembered it fondly. Mm-hmm. Now I remember, now I think it is one of the greats. Mm-hmm. And it's not my favorite anime movie of all time, but Ooh. it may be, it's, it's, it's up there. Probably my favorite anime movie of all time is probably Princess Mononoke. Yeah, great movie. Great movie. So, but I got to say, though, this is this is climbing the ranks and it may be in the top five at this point because I've seen a lot of anime movies. But uh, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, if it's even if you don't like anime, if you like sci fi, I, I say give it a watch. It's free on Tubi. Just just watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't let like the word anime like scare you away at all. I just think it's a great movie you know it's just a great sci-fi movie and i think it's i think everybody should definitely give it a try at some point so yeah that's a very high recommendation from both of us but yeah so that about wraps it up but i have an announcement for everybody out there we're doing a themed week we're doing it we're doing a theme week so ryan what's up next well you say theme week I'm bringing it. We're going to be doing Anime Week. Anime Week. Oh my god! Nathan begged me for anime. He said, "I I got I need anime all week long." Yeah, throw and, more in there, please. <laughs> well, Nathan, I will give that to you. So, we're going to be talking about a movie that I haven't seen, and but it's been on my radar for a really long time. We're going to be talking about 1985's Vampire Hunter D. And, okay, nice. And there is a sub version and a dub version on YouTube, but I'm going to say let's check out the sub version. From what I'm aware, the dub version is very old and it probably doesn't hold up very well. So I say check out the sub version. But like I said, just all you got to do is just go to YouTube, look up Vampire Hunter D sub. It's right there for you. Perfect. Well, I'm excited to do Anime Week with you. And if you have any recommendations for us, be sure to send us an email at driveindoublefeaturedpodcast at gmail.com. Email us anything you want. I don't care. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, Also, be sure to look at our Twitter. Uh, Ryan runs our Twitter at DIDFpod. It's a really great place. You'll get instant updates for every new episode. So awesome. Well, I guess that wraps it up. Until next time. Until next time. (laughs) 